Go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 3. We'll read the text and then we'll, we'll dive in. Colossians chapter 3, we'll start with verse 18. This text is one of the most misrepresented, out-of-context text there is in the Bible. We will see what God has for us today. It's one of the most important messages for our generation and our context and our culture today. And at the same time, probably one of the most painful texts that we'll cover. So let's dig in. Verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does what is wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide for your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask now for your spirit to open up our minds, open up our hearts, to receive what you have for us this morning. Lord, we know that there are many wounds in this context of family. In the context of marriage, in the context of parenting, there are several hurts, pains, regrets. So, Father, help us stand in Christ. Help us rely on his strength. Help us rely on his wisdom, his endurance, his forgiveness, his healing. Father, we thank you for redeeming homes, saving marriages. Lord, we ask for your blessing here in this area today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, now listen, I appreciate the shout-out to Holmes High School football team, but listen, we've had games the other weeks too, and we didn't get a shout-out. Uh, we understand why when you look at the scoreboard. But uh, I just want to uh, talk today real quick about our offense. Now, we have a quarterback that can throw the ball. we got a running back that can run. we got a fullback that runs like a tank and run up the middle. And you want to know how you stop all of that? You mess up the center. The center is the guy in the middle of the line. When the quarterback's ready, he'll clap. Ball snapped. Now that ball, if it doesn't move, it's a penalty on us. If the ball moves before the quarterback's ready, it's a penalty on us. If the ball goes over the quarterback's head, it's disaster for us. And so if a defense wants to check how to mess up an offense, a very simple way they can do it is put one of their best players at that nose tackle position and say, hey, I want you to make that center nervous all game. If he's focused on blocking you, he won't be focused on snapping that ball to the quarterback. And if the quarterback doesn't get the ball, we can stop this offense. You know, that's pretty effective. You want to know one way you can derail a community? One way you can derail a neighborhood? One way you can mess up a church? One family at a time. You, you know who Satan is targeting right now? 
where the fighting is the fiercest right now? In the home for our families. Now, we're getting a report this week for our school at Holmes High School. We didn't get great test scores um, in certain areas. And we'll have low marks, and we'll have the state come in, and, and there'll be different avenues and research done and advice given. But you know our school is a reflection of our community, and our community is a reflection of the families that make up our school. Our community is struggling. Our families are struggling. And this text has something to say about how God has designed families. Now, let's, let's get to instructions real quick. We got a, a gift for one of our daughters recently, and we were putting a bow on it. And this bow is pretty simple. It comes in a, a flat, little, I mean, this big a plastic bag. And it was just folded, and I opened it up. I read the instructions. And <laughs> I was nervous because the instructions made it look easy. They said, hey, find the ribbon, pull the ribbon. When the, the ruffles are to your desire, tie the ribbon, and you've got your bow. I thought, oh, well, that's simple. So I looked for the ribbon. Couldn't find it. Turned it over. Went through the, this, this little package, just looking for two little pieces of ribbon to pull this thing so I could get the ruffles. Never made a bow before in my life. So I don't know why I thought I could do it this time. So eventually, after about, seriously, after about five minutes, I found the ribbon. I pull it. Ruffles weren't there. Pulled a little harder. Ruffles started. I said, like, you know what? If I pull it a little tighter, I'll have a little few more ruffles. This will look perfect for, for this gift we're giving to our daughter. When I pulled it again, the ribbon came out. The ruffles went everywhere. It was no longer a single piece of ribbon. It was everywhere in our garage, and I just gave up. I said, forget it. I picked it up, threw it in the garbage pan, can, sent a picture to Julianne to let her show how much of a failure her husband is, and uh, said, sorry about the bow. Simple instructions, couldn't follow them. Now, listen, 15 minutes on a bow, not being able to follow the directions, instructions, it's frustrating. But when it comes to the Word of God and His instructions for our families, when we disregard those instructions, it's devastating. And so I want us to know what God has for our family. Do you think something as significant as the marriage relationship, Jesus is just like, well, I hope they figure it out. I hope a husband knows how to treat his wife. I hope a wife knows how to treat her husband. Or do you think God's given us some clear direction? What about with parents and kids? One of the toughest jobs you'll have on the planet is raising a child. You think God's like, well, I just hope these dads know exactly how to, to do this, and maybe the moms will figure it out. Or do you think God's given us some instruction? And then the cool part is he's given instruction for children too and how they can please the Lord. Now, as we dig into this passage, I also understand this. I'm looking around the room and uh, just uh, we did a, a student camp this has been years now this has been about eight years ago one of our first camps we went on the guy staying in in our dorm in our room uh, we had about 10 students from Holmes High School they've graduated they're on uh, starting their own families now but I just asked them you know just talk to me about your home life and many of them didn't have a great relationship with their biological father and the one that did his mom was actually in prison and you want to know what hit me right there? One of the emphasis our church will focus on is trying to help families live to the glory of Christ. 
we want to strengthen moms who are holding on best they can. We want to strengthen dads who are trying to figure out how to have a healthy marriage and, and lead a family to glorify Jesus. Like, we want to pour in and strengthen that. And, and you know, as a church, we're all included in this. I, I love the passage in Titus that talks about, hey, older women help out younger women and older men help out younger men. Like, like this is a family affair. We need all hands on deck. Um, I also know there's a lot of wounds in the room. I know there's a lot of wounds. Um, and, and we're going to see an ideal, something to aim for in our families. And, and understand this, all of us fall short. To whoever has the best marriage in the room, to whoever has the worst in the room, we all fall short and we need grace. And that's exactly what Jesus does. And so what, what I'm asking, what I prayed for, is that God will meet you where you are this morning. And so if you're here and you have a marriage and it's just, man, it is tough, and you're like, Ben, you don't understand, you might be right. And you might be in the room, you're like, Ben, you talk about mom and dad's like, they should be pointing people to Jesus. My mom and dad have no idea who Jesus is. You have no idea what it's like in my home, and you would be right. But I do know this. The gospel meets you right where you are. The gospel meets you right where you are. And the hope is not that you have the perfect family. Your hope is that Jesus defeated sin in the grave. And the tomb's empty. And so you can have that. And so what I want to encourage you to do is do what, what I took this passage to be. Man, I, I want to be this type of husband to Julianne. I want to be this type of father to my, my four daughters. I want, when I have authority, I want to honor uh, God in the way I lead the, the people that he's placed under my authority. And then as a man under authority, I want to work in a way that glorifies Christ. Right? So this passage is personal. It gets up all in your business. Um, if you're not offended yet, hold on. You will be. Um, but, but understand, the Lord has something for us this morning. All right? Now, before we, we dig in here, we did a, a sermon series. I guess it's been a little while. Sermon on the Mount. You guys remember how Matthew 7, Sermon on the Mount, how it ends? The, the picture that Jesus gives? The wise man built his house on what? The rock. Now, I, I, I thought this was interesting when it comes to this. What was he building? His house. His house. I thought that was an interesting concept. He goes, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, streams rose, winds blew against and beat the house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock, the words of Christ. That's what we want to build our lives on. That's what we want to build our families on. That's what we want to build our marriages on. We want to build our marriage, our life on Christ and his word. Because storms are coming. But when you build on Christ, you won't crumble. But then there's, a, there's another option. Many are picking this. But everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, streams rose, winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So when we come to this text, we have two options. We can either read it and like, ah, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. Or we can say, hey, I, I want to listen and follow what God has for me. What he has for me, what he has for my marriage, what he has for my family, what he has for my work. I want to honor Jesus in those three areas of my life. I also want you to notice this one thing, and this is not a side note. This is the main point of the text. 
And all of these things, the, the husband, wife, the parent, child, employer, employee, and all of these things, you want to know who the constant focus is on? Jesus. He's mentioned seven times in this passage. You want to know what the point of our marriages are? Or who the point of our marriages are? You want to know who the point of our parenting and raising children, what, what the point is? You want to know what the point of work is? To glorify Jesus. That's our goal. That's our goal. And so that's where I want us to focus. That's where I want us to dig in this morning. So let's start out. Number one, you get this verse 18. Chapter 3, verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves, or wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. And, and then the companion passage of this is found in Ephesians 5. And, and it says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as you do to the Lord. And, and I, I just, I want you to see this because I, I, I want to put definite some parameters in here. This is not enabling abuse. This is not enabling abuse. If you are in an abusive relationship, we're not saying, well, you've got to sit there and take it. That's not what this text is talking about. It's also not enabling sin. Right? If your husband asks you, um, you, you know what, we don't have enough money in the bank, honey, let's go to, to uh, this bank and we'll rob it. That's not what, well, I've got to do it because I'm submitting to my, that's not what we're talking about. And for me, a lot of times, this is what I had in, in mind. Here's a lazy man in a lazy boy recliner propping his feet up, wife's working to death, working with the children, working with getting the kitchen clean, figuring things out, and the husband's like, honey, bring me something from the fridge. Hey, get that changer over here to me. Not what this text is talking about. Another example, Cobbins, I'll use you. You came in late, you get to be the illustration. Stand up here real quick. All right, we're talking about submission. Now listen, I'm not going to hurt them. But a lot of times, when we think of submission, we think of tap out and UFC and fighting, and one guy will get a guy in a hold, and he's hold on, and the guy will tap. Go ahead and tap real quick, Josh. Right there. He's submitting. Right? I'm the winner. He's the loser. All right, sit down. If that's what we think submission looks like in the marriage relationship, we have no idea what Jesus is talking here. That's not what we're talking about, where you've got two wills fighting, and man, you're just trying to figure out who's going to have the power of the will, who's going to it's not what we're talking about here. This is what we're talking about. As the husband follows the Lord, the wife says, let's get it. Where God leads us, we're going. I'll give you an example. This is a personal example. When we talk about stuff like this, I, I try to use personal examples. That way we won't hurt everybody's feelings. So uh, 2013, I have a full-time job. It's a nice job. It's at our, at our home church. Uh, where I was raised as, as a kid, spent a lot of time. Um, it was a well-paying job. Um, we were happy. Friends are there. Ministry was fun. I had my brothers in student ministry, um, which was a blast. I had a lot of young men and women that, man, I just cared about, loved them, loved their families. Uh, life was good. Life was good. And, and then God started doing something in my heart. Started convicting me that, man, you, you need to spend some time down in the city near Cincinnati, down there by the river. So about one day a week, I come down and start praying throughout different parts of Covington. Start plugging into, uh, it was actually during the day on Wednesdays, uh, a group that would pray and study the Bible, and, and just started to ask God, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? 
And then it got to the point where I was convicted that we needed to start a church in Covington. Now, I want to show you a picture of my family at this time. All right, so I'm married with Julianne. Idea is not in the picture. That's Camden. That's Camden. Uh, she's almost one, Ava and Balin. And, and yes, I also want you to notice I used to have hair a long time ago. Five months from this picture, I didn't have a job, and we were getting ready to sell the house, and I'd be homeless for about a year. Five months from this picture. Now, when you look, married and three kids, I knew what God was doing in my heart, and I knew somehow I'd have to get Julianne on board. And so I was going through some of the questions I thought she'd ask. Well, how are you going to provide for the family as we transition to start a church in Covington? I thought, oh, well, that's easy. My dad had a lawn care business. I worked for him. You know, that's a great idea until winter hits, right? So I was like, well, that's not a great answer, but that'll buy me a couple of months. And then I thought, well, in a couple of months, we'll have services. I had no idea it would take two years, 2015, when we started here, for us to have services. You want to know what church plants don't have a lot of right when they start? Money. The narrow. I'm not going full time. I knew that. But I thought, well, I'll just tell her I'll work with dad and, and we'll be all right. Okay. And then I thought she would ask, well, where are we going to live? And, and I was convicted we needed to get to Covington as best we could. If there was a home available, we needed to get to Covington. Well, we saw a lot of homes for sale. And it was a process. We'll leave it at that. And then I thought she'd ask, you've never done this before. Do you know what you're doing? Right? We had never started a church. I had no idea what I was doing. So I just prayed that she wouldn't ask that question. Right? And so in, in the process goes on and on. She could have said, are you crazy? Have you hit your head? Is this like an early midlife crisis? Like, what's going on with you? But you want to know what I said? I, I went in, I go, Julian, I don't know what God is doing but I think he's leading us to, to move to Covington and start a church. You want to know what she said? Let's go. She didn't ask questions. She said, let's go. Now, if you ask her, she would probably have rather planted a church on a beach in Florida or Georgia. Right? She didn't ask that. She said, let's go. And, and, and I say that to say this. I don't take that lightly. And I also know a lot of people don't have that type of relationship. But you know the amount of pressure that puts on me, the husband. Right? Because Julianne's doing everything she should. And so if I say, hey, the Lord's leading us here, and he's not, that's on me. And so as a husband, I want to make sure I am following Jesus. Because I have a wife who's saying, hey, wherever he leads, we're going as a family. We'll figure out how we'll provide for three girls. We'll figure out where we're going to live. If we have to move here, we'll go there. If we have to serve here, we'll go there. You know how awesome that is as a husband? That's what biblical submission looks like. Um, I'll also say this, and I don't think she's in the room, so I'm going to brag about her just a little bit. My mom could write a book on this. Mom could write a book on this. Um, Dad, listen, Dad is awesome. I love him. Um, I believe he is a believer. I uh, had a bad experience in the church um, as, a, as a young father, as a young man, um, and, and just stopped. He cut grass for a living, didn't show up on Sundays. Um, but it was mom who 
still obviously submit in different ways, but would get my brothers, walk them to the Billy Graham uh, rally that you had at Paul Brown Stadium, walking them up the steps. It was mom who got all the, the kids ready, getting them to church and back on Sundays. Um, it, it was an amazing thing to see how mom treated dad. And you wonder what happened? Dad catched glimpses of Jesus and how mom loved him. And so I'll brag on her, and I'm not going to get into to all the stories. She can tell you, if, if you're ever interested in, in talking, mom could write a book on what this looks like. I also know with four daughters now, <laughs> sometimes I got to remind myself how many girls I got, with four daughters now, this passage is one that's taken out of context all the time. And I'll make sure my four son-in-laws understand exactly what this means and what this should look like. Which leads us to point number two. Husbands love as Christ loves the church. You get this in verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The companion passage in Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So if submission characterizes the wife, you want to know what characterizes the husband? Sacrifice. Sacrifice should characterize the husband. Give himself up for the church. I should love Julianne the way Jesus loves me and us, the church. And we see the length at which Jesus goes to. You want to know what I find most of the time in life? When I see this, when, when husbands complain, well, my wife won't listen to anything I say. You want to know what I see as the problem most of the time with this? It's not with the wife, it's with the husband. The husband has the wrong view of what love looks like. The husband doesn't sacrifice. He doesn't serve his family. Selfish husbands destroy homes. You don't use your wife to get what you want. You don't use your children to get what you want. You sacrifice the way Jesus sacrifices and gave himself up for the church. I think this is, is interesting. I, I'll, I'll take as many jobs as I have to to provide for my family. And I think that's one reason why Julianne said go, even though I said I'm not going to be working at this place anymore with this salary. And it was, I had no idea that I'd be driving Kona trucks back and forth four hours away just to help ends meet. But I knew this. I, I can serve my family and working as hard as, and it wasn't a well-paying job. I, I, we were scrounging to make ends meet, but I'm going to do whatever it takes. If I have to work third shift at FedEx, which happened over the Christmas time, Christmas hours, I worked the, uh, it was the, I think it was midnight to four, something where I just, I couldn't sleep. And I was usually cranky, but I was trying to work, pack trucks till we could figure this thing out. And then I got a part-time job at Holmes Middle School as a teacher assistant. Never thought I'd be in the school. If I had, I would have done a different degree at, at Thomas More College. I'm just thinking, man, I don't know. But that's one way I could sacrifice for my family, try to love my family as a husband and father. I think a, a, a cool picture of this. Um, we went to uh, the beach. This is a few years ago before Dia. Ava and Julianne are going parasailing. And it was about three miles down the road. And I thought Camden and Balin are old enough. They could, they could, we could tough it back. We could walk back on the beach. When we get hot, we'll get in the ocean, cool down, just keep walking. Three miles. And so uh, we start walking, and it gets hot. We get in the beach, get out, okay. Keep walking, get in. And then all of a sudden, Balin, was it you that got stung or was it Camden? Camden. Camden got stung by something. Now, I don't know if she got stung or nibbled on, but the fear in her eyes let me know that this is not a joke. And I don't know who beat me, if it was Camden or Balaam, but both of them started running towards me. 
I picked them up, and, and here's the point. This is the picture I, I want husbands to see. I picked them up. Whatever was in the ocean would have to sting or nibble on me before they got to my family. I think that's a good picture for husbands. Like, you don't have to be the toughest in your family. You might not win a fight with your wife, but you should be willing to sacrifice your life for her. So if you hear the door get kicked down, you shouldn't say, honey, you probably need to go check that out. You better get up and go check that out. Right? And, and this is what this is, I, I, I do. I, I hope my girls know this and my wife knows this. If somebody gets to them and I am able and I'm there and I'm present, and obviously there's a lot of stuff, it would be because they got through me first. Right? They know that at least they have to get through my daddy before they get to me. They have to get through my husband before they get to me. Best they, best they can. And listen, I'm not Chuck Norris. I'm just a dude that's willing to sacrifice for my family because we're called to love our wives as Jesus loved the church. And, and you want to know what's cool about this? Man, there's so much grace here. And so for husbands and wives, I, I want you to see, uh, it was Tim Keller who brought this up. There, there's three things every marriage has the opportunity for. Every marriage has the opportunity. So for husbands and wives, you have the opportunity to know your spouse better than anybody else on the planet. The amount of time you'll get to know your spouse better than anybody else on the planet. You'll know the, all the good and all the bad. Which leads to the second opportunity. You'll have the opportunity to love more deeply your spouse than anybody else on the planet. So Julianne knows all of my shortcomings. and short, uh, She knows me inside and out. And yet she says, hey, I'm going to stick with you and love you. You see how deep that love is? But then thirdly, you have the opportunity to be more gracious to each other than anybody else on the planet. I know you better than anybody on the planet. I love you more than anybody on the planet. And I'll forgive you quickly and ask for forgiveness quickly. You want to have a healthy marriage? Do those three things. Do those three things. All right. So I know with all of that in this room, man, being a husband is hard. And being a wife is hard. And we have people all in different areas of this. We have husbands that have gone on to be with the Lord, and we can't wait to see them again. We have wives that have been abused. We have husbands that have been abandoned. We have a lot of young people trying to figure out what in the world does this look like? Marriage, I have no idea what a good marriage looks like. See how desperately we need Jesus? And so that's the whole point of these two texts. But now we get to parenting. Now we get to parenting. So we start out with fathers. We start out with verse uh, 20. And it says fathers, and it includes parents. And, and honestly, we have a lot of single parents that, that are trying to do this well. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. I think this is, this is very, very, very important. Um, I skipped children. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. This obedience, again, you've you got to put in the parameters. We're not talking about doing something that goes against God. You can't obey parents to the glory of God when they call you to sin. And, and this is important. And maybe you didn't have parents like that. I did not have parents like that. I had parents that told me I had to go to bed at a certain time. Now, I can say that's a sin to tell a kid to go to bed this early. It wasn't. It wasn't. 
right? My parents didn't ask me this. And so it was easier for someone to challenge me. Hey, you need to obey your parents. And so this is, this is my question, and this is why I'd love to live out. As a child, what does a first grader obeying, honoring parents look like? Eating vegetables, doing the chores that they've asked. I would say giving thanks for what's provided. Don't complain about the cooking. At least something was on the food, on the table. High schoolers, what does this look like? What does this look like? How can you obey parents? Doing something without them asking? Do your chores? Keep your grades up? Don't put it all procrastinate. I love this. I'm really looking for someone to give an answer over this direction. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There's so many ways high schoolers can honor their parents. And I would say be honest. Be who you are. Um, and, and when I mean that, I say what you say actually do. Don't go behind your parents' back as you get freedom. Use that as a responsibility to glorify God. Now, here's the cool part. Did, did you see how this verse ended? Obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. For this pleases the Lord. You have an opportunity to please the God of this universe and how you relate to your parents. And, and you wonder what I found out? I'm still obligated to honor my I don't live with them anymore. But you know, I can still please God by how I honor my mother and my father today. If your parents are still alive, you can honor them. You can, you can take care of them. You can provide for them. You can check in on them. There's a lot of ways you can honor your parents all throughout your life until they move on. Go be with the Lord. Andrew got picked up by this men's league team. And, and Andrew and I, we don't play a lot of men's league. We play our, our church men's league, and that's enough. But there was a, a team made up of Holmes graduates called Hood Rich. And they asked me and Andrew to be a part of the team. Gave us jerseys, gave us numbers. We didn't know too many guys on the team, but they picked us up. And we were playing this game, and it's back and forth. And you're, it's as competitive as old men playing basketball can be, right? And so it's going back and forth, and Andrew gets the ball, and with three seconds left, goes up. Bam, game winner. He wins it. Guy by the name of Giorgio that we just met took his jersey off, celebrates, Mensley, goes to pick up Andrew. Andrew's bigger than when he was in high school. Tries to get him up on the shoulder to celebrate. I'm like, Giorgio, you can't do it. He's like, oh, just wait, just wait. Let me Gets back down there and tries to pick him up again. Gets him up on his shoulder. A grown man in a men's league game celebrating. Why? Because he was so pleased that we won a game. We're in first place in the men's league game. And, man, just the joy that brought Giorgio was hilarious to me. I thought, man, this is kind of cool. This is fun. Can you imagine honoring your parents in a way that pleases God. Almighty, all-knowing God sees how you relate to your mom and dad, and you can please him by how you honor them. Isn't that amazing? And then we move on to the, the fathers and the parents. Um, don't embitter your children. Don't exasperate their children is what Ephesians says, but bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. This is so important. This is so important. And so many parents don't get this. So many parents don't understand the whole point of parenting is to fan in the flame their walk with Christ. We want children to love Jesus because we were their moms and their dads. 
one way mom did this for us and, and helped us hide it this is uh, the Deuteronomy passages that talks about how you, you hide the word you put it on the walls you put it on their eyes so, so children raise them up in the admonition of the Lord this, this is the first obligation for parenting that, that they know Jesus because we're their parents mom would wake us up all four children my older sister my two younger brothers with Isaiah 60 verse 1 rise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has shone upon you isn't that funny it's easy to memorize a verse when mom keeps repeating it to you. You could do that. You could do that. You're like, well, Ben, I don't live with my children anymore. I promise you, you have that opportunity here at this church. There, there's a lot of children down there. The ones that are healthy, they're here. The ones that are sick, they'll be back next week. So you, so you got to risk it. You got to risk catching some germs. But you can say, hey, Bronston, I'm praying for you this week. Here's a, here's a verse. I, I want you to read this. Now, Bronson can't read, but his mom and dad can. You can encourage them that way. There's so many ways we could do this. There's so many people in the room that don't have parents who love the Lord yet. They might be on their journey. And so isn't that the awesome responsibility of the church? We're a family. Mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, all in God through Christ. And then this, this last part, and I've got to watch... We've got to watch our time. One of the, the most represented passages. I'll tell you what, we'll dig into this next week, just for, for time's sake. It's too important to rush through, and, and we need clarity uh, on this. And I, I've got a couple of things to do. So we'll leave off marriage and then children and, and parents. This, this is what I want us to do for, for the invitation today. I'm asking... Uh, Miss Jan to come down, my mom to come down, uh, Stephen Fight will be up here. Um, if you want somebody to pray, any of the ladies in the church want somebody to pray for them, uh, for family, or for someone you have on your heart that you're trying to bring to Jesus, please come down and ask uh, for those ladies to pray for you. If you have somebody in the room, you're like, man, I just, I, I need somebody to pray for, for me, and, and you want to get somebody, ask them to pray for you in this area. You're not alone in this. Don't, don't try to figure this out or, or work harder. Rely on Jesus. And the Bible, Colossians, describes us as one body and one Savior. And when one member of the body hurts, we all hurt. All right, I'm going to pray, and, and then uh, we'll go to invitation, and we'll be praying for one another. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus who redeems homes father i pray for our people today lord i thank you for the the design for marriage this is a good thing lord i pray for our husbands in the room that they'll love you with everything they got that they'll love their wives sacrificially so that they catch glimpses of jesus by how they are loved by their husbands i pray for our wives in the room Father, I pray that they relate to their husband in a way that glorifies you. I pray for the children in the room, that we love and honor our parents well so that you are pleased. And I pray for our parents in the room, that we fan into flame a love for Jesus and our children. And Lord, I pray for, for our members of our church, that they'll adopt children for the purpose of fanning into flame a love for Jesus. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.